And it's like to see women praying for women. And I feel like that's something that I didn't have even when I had a lot of Mormon friends. We we say we'll pray for you, but do we drop what we're doing and pray for you in that moment? And does the other person get to hear the prayer and feel the spirit just reassure you that that they're that you're not alone in what you're struggling with? I think that's the kind of community that you can find when you're willing to look for it. Let me guess, the world keeps telling you you are enough. All on your own, you are enough. Well, I'm about to drop a truth bomb. On your own, you will never be enough. Wait, hold up. Okay, did I get your attention? I am Shelby Hosfield, and at times I was an ex-Mormon, agnostic, a Sunday Christian, and a New Age follower, but God had very different plans for me. The whole time I was living in a very big lie, that I was in charge somehow of my own enoughness and my works were going to save me and my life. Don't get me wrong, I am all about self-help and personal development, but as a born-again, fully transformed Christian, I learned there is the world's way, and there's God's way. To quote C.S. Lewis, the more we get ourselves out of the way and let him take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. You are enough not because of what you have done, but because what he has done. And he lives through you. If you are ready for Bible truths, theology, and apologetics, and wisdom from his word that will shape your life, your confidence, and yes, your feeling of enough, then friend, you are in the right place. This is Finding Faith Above. So God does not want us to do this alone. <laughs> he wants us to do this with other amazing people. But one of the things that people or women fear so much when leaving the church is the community. And it's one of the things that they miss as well, that even if they didn't love it, even if they didn't like all the different pieces of all the stuff that happens with that community, they do miss the community. And the people is one of the reasons that really holds people in the church, even if they don't feel God there. And so I want to challenge you on that today, because we are going to listen from a wonderful woman who has been through uh, the experience of growing up in the church fully and then leaving it and building a community now of good Christian women. And it's just such a beautiful story. But she also brings up these five points that I really want you to ask if you are this person who is maybe kind of on the fence right now, or you're starting to question your faith in there. And she talks about writing these making this list of these five things that I think is just so smart and really going to help some of you. So Number one is write down things I believe. Number two, things I want to be true. Number three, things I am questioning. Number four, things I would miss. And number five, things I'm just unsure about. And make yourself a list because I think that this was a really powerful exercise that she did. And you're going to hear more about it in this interview. And let's see where this takes you. If you do have questions about this, of course, head on over to findingfaithabove.com. And also you can join our community. I would love to hear more about this if you are making this list and what you think about this interview today. All right, so today we are talking to Jenny. She is a good friend who is going to just be sharing her whole testimony, her experience. She actually contacted me uh, through email. She had been a listener of the podcast and uh, 
I am always open to hearing your guys' stories. So if you have a faith journey, we are all on one. Yes, you do have a story. Um, Again, head on over to findingfaithabove.com and go to contact. You can even leave me a speak speak pipe on there, which is basically just like a message recording, or you can send me an email and I'd love to talk to you. I really would. All right. So let's go ahead and jump in. Jenny today, she's going to talk to us all about her faith journey. I can't wait. Here we go. All right, Jenny, I am so incredibly excited to have you here today because just as I've shared with our uh, our listeners so many times, stories are really the thing that can bring someone to faith. And the fact that you are willing to share your story with us just means the world to me. To start things off, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and what you do in this world. Well, my world revolves around my testosterone-filled family. My husband is my closest friend, and we have three unbeatable sons. Their age is eight, six, and four. I work as a pediatric nurse part-time, and most of my favorite hobbies are outdoors. I love running, hiking, biking. We boat a lot as a family. Um, I'm a sucker for a girl's night. I love traveling and sushi, and I just have a beautiful, simple life. I love it. I love it. All right. So in your testimony that you had wrote to me, um, you showed some pretty, pretty big things, and everybody's faith journey is different. Everyone has gone through um, different things, although all of us kind of coming from a similar background do share certain aspects of it that we can relate to each other on. Um, but let's just bring it back to the beginning. How did your faith journey begin? Uh, what was your family like growing up? What was your faith? So I was raised in Utah, definitely in a Mormon bubble where the majority of my family members and friends were all Mormon. And the few that weren't were very familiar with what being a Mormon entails because that's what Utah County is like. I hit the jackpot with my siblings. I have six brothers and sisters and we spent a lot of time outdoors, had a lot of pets. We were homeschooled growing up. So a lot of time with my family. Um, my mom is very loving, was very involved growing up, spent a lot of time reading to us and planning intricate, wonderful activities. And um, we checked all the classic to-do boxes as a family. We went to church, we prayed, we studied the scriptures, very consistent with family home evening. But at the same time, my mom is interesting in how nuanced she was about the things that she didn't believe in. She was very open about the fact that polygamy is messed up and she didn't read the Pearl of Great Christ with us, told us that wasn't true and um, wasn't a very big fan of going to the temple. So we were very active, but also I grew up aware of some of the things that she considered to be faulty within the church. And my dad was also very involved, very adventurous, took us on a lot of outdoor hiking and um, camping trips. And he claimed to believe in the LDS doctrine and teachings, but he, although he had an outward appearance of strictly following the commandments, um, like he always held the priesthood and had callings, Behind closed doors, he made horrible decisions and struggled with a lot of addictive behaviors that ultimately resulted in him being um, excommunicated, serving jail time, and my parents divorcing when I was 11. And I won't elaborate on my dad's story. I want to respect the privacy of everyone that was impacted by his choices. And I just want to focus on how that upbringing impacted my views about the LDS Church, because it was definitely um, a very prominent uh, experience for me to go through growing up. Um, and I can see that from that very young age, I worried about belonging in the church because 
being baptized by someone who I was aware wasn't a worthy priesthood holder just created so much fear in me because I I wasn't sure if my baptism really counted. And there's so many um, blessings and things that all come from your worthiness within the church. So I had a lot of fear about, oh my gosh, what if I got hit by a bus? Which kingdom am I going to end up in? What if our whole family gets hit by a bus? Like, Everyone is on this different page and it doesn't feel like we're united in the way that we're supposed to be. So there was a lot of um, worry about that. And there's a lot of triggers within the church if you don't fit into that classic cookie cutter mold, like the classic songs, families can be together forever and all these beautiful blessings. But I think I was probably hyper aware of how conditional those blessings were because of the fact that um, we were in a family where someone was excommunicated and it's not taught in primary what that means, like what, how that would impact our own um, family being together when not everyone is doing the right things. Um, so I, I was definitely fixated on earning my own salvation with my own worthiness because I felt like at least I can control what happens to me. Um, so I was pretty active growing up. I uh, got to meet my husband, Jordan, when I was in my early 20s and was Twitterpated he was a return missionary and he's amazing and wonderful. And we had a classic Mormon love story and uh, we're able to, you know, set up our marriage to be in the, in the LDS temple. And I expected it to be great and perfect. And I went through the temple and got my endowments and I hated it. It was not the experience I expected. And I just came home and bawled on the floor because I did not want to go back to the temple. I thought it was, um, I thought I was going to feel close to God there. And frankly, that just wasn't my experience. I was confused and disturbed. And um, I did open up to my fiance and my mom and just told them how upset I was by the experience. And their advice was really simple. It's there's so much symbolism that you don't understand yet. The more you go, it makes sense. Like it's going to be fine. And, um, you know, we, we got sealed. We went through with everything. And I really committed to understanding the symbolism Um me and Jordan went to every temple in Utah when we lived there, multiple other states. Like it was a very frequent thing that I became more comfortable with, I think, because of how committed I was to understanding everything. So you had talked about your mom and um, and then everything that had gone on with your dad. Um, were either of them converts or did they grow up in the church as well? They both grew up in the church. Then now you're married and now you're going uh you know, living like the very basic steps and you had that encouragement from your mom with the symbolism. Where did that fall for you with like how your beliefs were when you were younger, then moving into then the future? Yeah. And I should clarify with my mom, she wasn't like anti going to the temple. She definitely took us to do baptisms. I think that's something that she enjoyed. It was more of the adult ordinances that she just, um, doesn't participate in quite as often. It's not something that I think fills her cup as much. Um, but she told me that the symbolism would make sense the more that I went. And and so that was something that I felt like the consistency would provide that. Um, and I think to a point it does, like you start to understand some of the things more. It just never completely clicked for me. A lot of it felt very unnecessary. Like there's yeah. so many other areas that we can serve with people that need us now that I was like, well, you know, if people have passed on, can't God help them and we can help the people that are in front of us that are starving or that are abused or there's just so many needs that felt more prevalent to me so that was something that I struggled with the balance of like helping people that are 
obviously in dire need versus that need just didn't feel um, true to me. Yeah. And I still did it because it was an expectation. I did it for a really long time. And I think um, for me, staying in the church was because most of my role models were Mormon and there were so many people that I respected who were active and who had degrees and life experience. And I'm like, if they can find peace within this, then the missing piece must be with me. So if I keep doing the right things, eventually things will click into place. And the doubts that I had about the temple and other things, I just pushed them away because if you're generally comfortable and content, that's something I was able to do instead of, you know, diving into those things. I just kind of ignored them, like skirted around those sticky issues um, for a really long time. That worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that um, hmm, a lot of this uh, need to feel worthy is something that pushes us to do a lot of things that um, maybe don't necessarily quite feel right. You know, like after you go to the temple and you come home and you're on the floor crying, but that need to to feel worthy within the church, it, it pushes us farther than than you would think. <laughs> it's like a, this weird social thing that we just have to kind of keep going to to feel that um, that worthiness side. And I think that that continues for many of us long after we even leave the church. That's something that so many women struggle with is that need to continue to figure out how to feel worthy. And I don't know if that was your experience as well, but definitely for me. <laughs> definitely. That was a very long process for me to kind of deconstruct all of the all of the aspects that go into worthiness sure sure all right so now you're married you're living this Mormon life you're doing all the things you're trying to to make it all work you're going to all the temples you're learning all the symbolism then what happened where where did you go from here what started to happen within your faith journey seven years ago um, and I've been married for 11 years. Um, so seven years ago, my husband's health started to decline. He was very active, very healthy when we got married. And then he started to deal with some debilitating pain and nerve symptoms and just some crazy, completely debilitating health issues. And his patriarchal blessing specifically promised that he would live this long, healthy life. So in the beginning, I was like, oh, we just need to do all the right things and this will all pan out and it will be temporary. And um, my blessing talks about the sons and daughters we'll raise. So I'm like, oh, we'll be okay. We'll have more kids. We just need to earn these promises. And so those first couple of years of his health journey were really scary. There weren't any answers that actually helped him. He saw a lot of specialists did more treatments than I can even count. And it started to get really discouraging because nothing was helping. And I'm like, we're doing all the right things. Like, why is this not panning out for us? We were specifically promised in his blessing. And Honestly, at that point, I was treating religion like a full-time job because I thought that commitment would help our family and that it would bring me peace and bring him healing. But the hard aspect for me was studying the doctrine that much and being that immersed in it. It was weakening my testimony. I was seeing doctrine that didn't resonate with me. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't feel true. The more I study, the less true it seems. And so um, that just started to tear apart the things that I believed in because I was seeing so many inconsistencies and the history gets real shady the more you jump into it. So I'm trying to come to peace with things by studying it more. And spoiler alert, it's like a rabbit hole. You study more and it does not bring peace. Um, and then in 2020, as we all know, COVID changed the game for church and shut down church. I felt this immense relief. I was so, so 
stressed out on Sundays and it was such a, it was the worst day of the week. I hated going to church. And so when COVID shut down church, there was just that relief. And I realized I was going for the wrong reasons. And I mean, this is going to say a lot about my personality that I love a good list. I just knew I needed to sit down and sort through my thought processes. So I made this list. I'm like, going to categorize everything that I'm thinking about the LDS church. And I start with one, things I believe, nothing. Like I'm not sure about anything right now. Okay. Two, things I want to be true. And it's, you know, I want to believe that God listens and cares when we pray. I want to believe in a heaven. I want to believe that God cares about us. There's, there's things on that list. And then three, things I don't think are true. And this list was crazy long. And I just stopped at some point because I'm like, oh, okay, there's a lot there. Um, And then I'm listing things that I would miss about the church and the community, which at that time was also hard for me because I didn't feel like I truly believed. And so that makes living in that community hard. Um, And then things that I wasn't sure about. And this really helped me to just categorize things and realize, okay, I, I don't believe in it. The things I want to be true about religion, honestly, are the things that are not unique to Mormonism. The things that are unique to Mormonism are the things I'm ready to leave behind. And the things I want to be true are just Christianity. And so I think that was a really big step for me to just let it go because I'd been holding on for the sake of my family. At that point, my husband was all in and I just knew that I need to let this go because I don't I don't believe it. And my period of time where I didn't have any belief in religion was pretty short. Um, my community at that time was mostly Mormon friends. I had a few atheist friends and then I actually had a few friends who had left the Mormon church that hadn't found God outside of that. And they were content to just have the question marks and to not know what came next and to live in the present moment. And I think that could be a mindset that works for some people forever, but it didn't work for me at all. I need that purpose. And I wanted, you know, there to be answers for my family that was struggling. Um, So I was definitely desperate to find something. And God really showed up for me. I feel like the most amazing thing is that God sees us where we're at. And that's definitely true in my story where I feel like he presented so many opportunities to have Christian community coming from somebody that didn't know a single person that was a believer. um, I just started getting invited to things by people I barely knew and sometimes strangers and, and it just provided this whole new framework of people in my life, which was looking back, like that's such a God thing because I'd never been invited to that kind of stuff before. And it was like, as soon as my heart was ready, God was like, okay, this girl that you've never met at the library is going to invite you to a Bible group and a neighbor you barely know is going to invite you to something. And it was just pretty incredible how that worked out. And there's so much power in that community. I am was exposed to more worship songs and podcasts and joined multiple small groups and really anything I could get my hands on. Um, And the most important thing was starting to read the Bible. I read the Bible through the Bible recap. Are you familiar with that with Tara Lee Pobble? Tell me more about it. Um, I love it. It goes through the Bible chronologically. So it kind of skips around within the books, but that makes the story flow really well for me. And the purpose of each section is to find a God shot. So she has a podcast and she also has a book. So whatever way you prefer learning and each section, she finds a God shot. Um, so something within those chapters that you learn about God's character. So the whole purpose of reading the Bible was to get to know God better to form a relationship yeah. with him, to learn about his character and all of his traits. And I'd never read the Bible, and I definitely never read the Bible like that before. So um, I've been reading that. It's supposed to be done in a year, but we're a mom's group. We go slower. We're going into year three. And I was able to just really absorb these storylines about what's happening to people 
and God's hand in that. And you see like his consistencies in everyone's life and the way that he shows up and fulfills his promises. And so this is shifting my mindset quite a bit. And at the same time, I'm slowly redefining basic doctrine and some things instantly clicked for me. For example, like the premortal existence that I was taught about growing up never felt good to me. I remember feeling nauseous during those lessons, like one third of God's children right off the bat are gone and they, they're not going to be with him. I just felt like that was too flawed, that there was no way that that amount of people could just, that that could be the plan. And that, Isn't that whole concept of pre-existence just like that? That was mind-blowing to me, that like that's not biblical. Like that's why nobody talks about it. <laughs> it's not biblical. Yeah, but that's all I knew. And then you read Psalm 139, 13, and we're knit together in yeah. room, and it's like the first time I read that, I'm like, okay, this feels true. That clicks with me, that we are perfectly made, that that's our starting point, that that we all have like the same chance starting then to have our lively experience. I'm like, that resonates true with me. And I, I had several things like that that just instantly made sense. And then there's the things that are more challenging to wrap your mind around, like the Trinity is mm-hmm. a thing. Um, so that's taken a lot more study, but like the more you look into it, I'm like, this feels beautiful. And the great thing about studying the Bible is I feel like those questions are welcomed instead mm-hmm. of like you used to ask questions, they're shut down. Like, nope, you just, you just keep doing it. Don't ask questions. And I feel like you ask questions about the Trinity and the more you ask, the more sense it makes. So that's definitely been a harder concept, but one that I feel like makes sense when you, when you have that curiosity. Um, and you've talked about this a lot in your podcast, uh, because I think it's such a prevalent thing is the grace. The understanding of grace was the biggest shift for me because we're taught in the Book of Mormon that we're saved by grace after all we can do. Mm-hmm. There's specific verses um, that go into that. And then when we're reading the Bible, it's that we're saved through faith. And that was a huge shift that took me a while to wrap my mind around because it just felt like, okay, where's the postscript? Where's the snag? Like, I think I probably haven't gotten to the chapter yet that's like, here's the list. And then you keep reading. And I'm like, no, so many times in the Bible, it's such this simple concept. There's not, there's not a lot of, um, there's not this to-do list that's 40 miles long that I used to have. And that appreciation for why does God save us by faith has taken a while for me to, to comprehend, but it's eliminating the pride we feel in our own efforts. That pride, um, isn't genuine faith. Faith is not a deed. You know, our faith should exalt what God has already done, not what we are doing. And when we're faithful, we understand our need for God, which is so crucial to a deep understanding of him and or a deep relationship with him. And so that I think has been the most beautiful shift for me. Absolutely. I love the fact, like going back a little bit, I love the fact that you wrote out this list because like talking about like people coming from from the Mormon religion and then coming out, I feel like if you don't go on a quest to find Jesus at least a little bit before you ever get there, then you may never find him. It's, a, it's not that they, you won't, but like it's, I think that welcoming that question of what it is that I do want to be true here, that I want to, I want to know God. I want to know him and who he is. And I think just having that little bit there can change everything about your faith journey afterwards. And it sounds like, you know, it did for you. I mean, like you opened that door to say, God, I'm open to wanting to know you. 
And the fact that he put those people in your life, yeah. like put somebody there to, to bring you to a Bible study, put somebody there to help you talk about grace, all of those little pieces. It's like just by having that door cracked open, just that little bit, it's like God's like, all right, I'm coming in, <laughs> which I think is just so amazing and beautiful how he works and how he sees straight to straight to our heart and, and to our soul and, uh, and moves forward with that. And I think that is just so incredible. Um, how you've been able to walk through this. So I know grace was a huge one for me too. Was there other things that for you have been um, very eye-opening or very different? Yeah, there's definitely some other things. I think one of the things that um, I grew up thinking we just don't focus on is the cross. I, yeah. I actually had a specific seminary experience where someone in my class asked, like, why don't we wear crosses like other Christians do? And so this is in high school when they teach seminary to these teenagers. And my seminary teacher was like, well, the cross is what killed Jesus. You, If your loved one died by a gunshot, would you wear a gun around your neck? And it's like, we don't, we don't embrace that. That was a horrible thing that happened to Christ. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I would never wear a gun. So it's like, you just have that mindset of you sweep that away. We don't focus on that was my experience at least. And then that's not how it is for me now. And I feel like um, a phrase that I've really grown to love is living in the shadow of the cross. And there's a lot of different um, places that I've learned about that. Mark 9 being one of them when Jesus himself is teaching his disciples what that should look like. And um, I just have realized like acknowledging God's sacrifice and keeping that in the forefront of our mind and the work that took place on the cross. That's why people wear that is because they want to remember it. And when you are acknowledging that on a daily basis, it impacts the way you live your life. And that allows us to show like that deeper gratitude and to keep close to God. Um, so that's one thing that, I mean, I know there's a whole lot that goes into the differences between like how we view what happened on the cross and what Mormons believe. But I feel like for me, that was a new gratitude for the work that he did and feeling more comfortable um, talking about it and thinking about it and applying that to my life has been uh, one example of something that has changed for me. Absolutely. And it's huge. So now that you're at this place, you're going to these Bible studies, all of this, this is something I talk about all the time too. Going to a Bible study as an ex-Mormon can feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> How is that for you? <laughs> I love that you brought back even just that list that I made of that wanting to know that God is true because I think being aware that I wanted that to be true made me able to do the things that were uncomfortable because going to a Bible study was uncomfortable and it was hard. And even though it was something I wanted, that didn't make me feel less awkward for the things I would say. And then you get like a weird side eye. And it's really obvious that the things I thought were basic doctrine, other people thought were just crazy. So I think you need to be kind of humble to walk into that experience and teachable, which luckily I was in a mindset to be in that place. Um, but the Bible studies I've been a part of have been mind, mind-blowingly wonderful, honestly, because they, they are groups of women that share their hearts and they're people that want the best for each other. There was no judgment. It was just the most welcoming experience that I could ask for. And I think um, the Spirit dwells in those kind of places. And it was much more meaningful to me to meet with other women and discuss stuff and hear their input than it would have been doing it on my own. I learned a lot quicker and the accountability of having a reading plan helped me go through the Bible, I think, a lot more effectively than I would have on my own. When you get to that rough chapter that doesn't make sense instead of stopping, you know, I know that I need to read a couple more. So 
I highly recommend that kind of group because of the growth that I feel like comes from a group of believers. And definitely the accountability portion, I think, is great for busy people who are easily distracted. It's that schedule is really helpful. Absolutely. I also think, too, when you're in a group like that and you get, um, you know, the cute little old woman who her Bible looks like it has been through war. I mean, like she has brought that everywhere and it's highlighted and written in and it has all of all of her experiences with it. And she's willing to sit down and talk with you about how God has worked through her life. I think it's just invaluable, I think, to be able to sit in those groups with those women and learn from their experiences and also to help you walk through it. Because I say this all the time, the, the Bible, I feel like it's, it's kind of like an ocean, you know, it's like you can walk on the sand, you can kind of do some little like, uh, you know, piddle paddling in the, in the shallow end, but you can go on a deep dive like so far. And so to be with, a, have been on that deep dive is huge. I mean, it will help you so much with understanding the Bible, but it can be very intimidating at first. I think one of the big things to always just um, remember walking into one of those situations is that other people are there also because they love God too. And so they're willing to sit with you. So that's so cool. I love that. And I think that a lot of people have their own insecurities going into a Bible group and remembering that we all have like our own journey and that everybody that's there is showing up wanting to learn helps remove the judgment of like, do I belong here today? And just at the end of the day, God wants us all there. And that's a beautiful thing. And um, I love that people bring their different perspectives. And also for me, having only read the King James version of the Bible, it was great to see what versions different people were using. And that exposed me to more ways to learn about the Bible. And I know you've mentioned this in past podcasts, but version is a free app that you can compare Bibles. So that was helpful too, to just look at different options before um, purchasing a few hard copies of my own and just being aware that if something doesn't make sense in one version, I can go to another version and having things phrased a little differently or reading the commentary, like that there's all these readily available free resources to make the Bible easier to comprehend. And I think I know about a lot more because I was willing to go to a group that shares those resources and that can make a huge difference with how the Bible experience goes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So where are you at now? I mean, you've walked through walked through this. You're going to these Bible studies. You're doing all the things. What was next on your journey? I feel like I, when I was thinking about how God and um, this experience in general of switching faiths has worked in my life, there were three main areas that I feel like have just improved and become so much more beautiful because of my commitment to God. Um, with the first being that instead of trying to control everything, I found more peace in my circumstances. I'm definitely a planner and I like to kind of be able to dictate how my day goes. And that hasn't been possible with our trials and my husband's health conditions are chronic. They will always impact our family. There's a very real possibility his health could get worse. And we've had heartbreaking conversations about what that would look like with long-term disability and the financial and emotional aspects that that entails and just these heartbreaking scenarios that are really hard to wrap my mind around. And that used to bring me a lot of anxiety and um, my circumstances haven't changed, but because my reliance on God's goodness has grown, they are so much easier to live through on a daily basis. And I think the beauty from that comes from trusting my unknown future to a known God. And I think that's the whole point of trying to live a life of surrender. As we align our will to his and believe that he has a plan and a purpose, we can 
trust him with our circumstances, even when they may not go the way that we would have planned ourselves, because we know that he has our best interests and heart and that he can bring beauty from ashes and just that, that he has a bigger plan for us. And we can only see this little moment within it. And I know that studying the word has impacts impacted my ability to believe that because you learn from the examples of his followers who full-heartedly surrendered and you can see his stories of bringing them you know to him and in, in their different journeys and I'm just so grateful for like that ability to to rely on him more and seek him in a daily way that has been such a huge um such a huge blessing with the way that I've dealt with our family circumstances yeah yeah I'm sorry you're going through that though. It, how is he doing now? How's your husband now? Is he stable at the moment? Yeah, he is. He's able to work. He's able to do a lot of things with our family. He isn't able to do most of his hobbies. He can't do like rigorous exercise. So things he grew up loving, like golf or basketball, are just not options for him anymore. Um, but he's a very present dad. He's very involved in our kids' lives. He does as much as he can physically. And I think. Um, if you would have asked us a few years ago if there were any pros to his health journey, we both would have said no, that it was exclusively a trial. And at this point, we're far enough into it that I had a conversation with him um, a few weeks ago where he said, I know that I'm a better dad because of what I've gone through, because he had so many hobbies before that he was out doing active stuff a lot. And he's more present at home because that's not a temptation to him right now. And he's more involved in our kids' lives. And you know, I can see that his empathy and his patience has grown and that he's honestly just the most amazingly optimistic, positive person. And that has just been something that has shown through the way he's handled this, where he is using his trials to become a better person. And I would never wish this on anybody. And if I could take it away from him, I would do anything to do that. But I feel like God can can strengthen us on those days where it feels like too much. And in Jordan's case, he's definitely going through this trial and becoming a great example for our kids of faithfulness and what it looks like to believe even when you believe in a God that can heal you, but doesn't like what that looks like for our kids. It's, it's hard to explain to them why there's so many stories in the Bible where these people are healed and why we can pray and he's not healed, but we want to believe in God, even if we don't have every prayer answered that I think shows a kind of faith and trust that even I couldn't experience as an adult a few years ago. And so it's something that we're trying to model to our kids. And um, it's been a process and a journey, but I think, I think it's one that our kids and our family will be stronger because of. For sure. And family is a huge part of our journeys in faith. I mean, massively huge, especially when you're coming from uh, the Mormon religion, because families are even above God. I mean, it, it, it's everything, your family. Um, and so you had this, this faith conversion or this want to do something different. And how has that looked for your family, like with your kids, with, I mean, how did that, how did that go? <laughs> Cause that's always such a complicated thing. It's so complicated. Yeah. We've had different phases in the beginning. I, I sought out most of the things I was doing through women's groups because it was very hard to involve my family. Jordan was still sorting out what he believed and young kids in church groups can be hard. They they jumped into some stuff and didn't like other stuff. So um, my beginning things that I did were often things that I did on my own. And as my testimony was strengthened through like Bibles groups and things like that, we I started involving the kids more and more. Um, 
but it was definitely overwhelming to not have that clear Mormon roadmap. And there were phases where I felt very overwhelmed by that. And this is one of those times that God, I feel like, stepped in and provided very clear answers to me. Um, I had a neighbor who I didn't know well who invited me to a Bible group, and they were studying Mom Set Free, Parenting in the Confidence of God's Grace by Jeannie Cunningham. Not sure if I'm saying her name right. Um, but I, it was a time I was available to go and this study just really revigorated my ability to, um, believe in myself as a parent and how to rely on God to do that. It's, it's a beautiful study. There's a book in the Bible study and I did the Bible study. Um, and it just talks about how we can't control our kids, but we can point them to Christ through our own example and how the foundation should be to teach our kids how fully they love are loved by God, because that unconditional love is what, um, brings like the kind of relationship with him that would bring them to obedience and like a meaningful uh, testimony for them. And just that we can't manufacture their faith and we shouldn't try to. Hey, I see you girl. First, I just want to tell you how incredibly excited I am that you are here because if you are here, that means you're curious. You want answers. You want to know the truth and you want to know Jesus. And maybe that's a little scary to say out loud because you also do not want all the religion and the rules and the pressure, and I get that. But let's be honest, you're a bit of a rebel. <laughs> you left everything you ever knew about God when you left the church, and it was hard, and your mind was a bit blown. I understand exactly what that feels like. Deciding to partner up with God again is something you are doing with the utmost of trepidation, and I get that too. I was, no, I am you. It took me 20 years after leaving before all the super hard parts of my life finally brought me to my knees at 2 a.m. in the morning and friend, I met God that night. But here was the real hard part. Just because now I had faith in God, that did not mean that I knew at all what it was like to be a Christian. And if you were like I was, there may seem like there is an overwhelming amount of things to unlearn before you ever go about learning. The church literally affected every single aspect of our lives. From there, I made it my sole purpose to not only understand these basic Christian beliefs from the Bible that I felt like I should have already known, but to know what it meant to be a true daughter of the king. Now I help women kick off all of that religious baggage, reframe their brains and beliefs, and find self-worth based in Jesus in the Bible, friends. Isn't that amazing? This is Christian life coaching specifically made for ex-Mormon women because you can have a life of peace with God. Doesn't that sound good? Okay, you and me, let's jump on a free discovery call. Go to findingfaithabove.com right there on the first page. You can book your 15 minute call with me. This is Christian life coaching specifically made just for you. I cannot wait to meet you. Findingfaithabove.com. And that's because we need to rely on the Holy Spirit's ability to transform hearts. We can't do that as parents, but we can teach them. And then the Holy Spirit really is the one that provides that and over the last few years, it's been amazing to see um, the way that our family has shifted from not having any resources to just having an abundant amount of resources where I have like a little stack of, of Bible studies that I'm waiting to get through because we can just do one at a time. And um, my kids love their church groups. BBS is the highlight of their summer. They say the sweetest prayers I've ever heard. And it's just been amazing to witness their relationship with God grow. And um, it's been the same experience for Jordan where it's been my husband, it's been slower and painful at times, but 
I think seeing how well the kids were doing, being involved in church is what really motivated him to start coming more often because he saw that it was a positive thing for them. And even though it wasn't the experience he was expecting, I think it was really hard for him to let go of the positive things that he had had growing up. You know, he loved Boy Scouts. He loved being baptized by his dad. Most of his experiences were really positive and it was hard for him to let go of that. The future he had envisioned with his kids that I think really broke his heart at times, but he has realized that what they're doing now has blessed their lives immensely and he is more involved with their home studies. Um, my boys are in a Royal Rangers group, which is similar to Boy Scouts, and he started volunteering with them this last spring. And so it's it's just been amazing to see him step up and see a new role for himself, one that he didn't imagine, but he is involved now with them. And um, it's it's amazing. I wish I could go back and tell the version of myself that was so scared to let it all go that the reality I'd have with my kids a few years later would be so much better and it wouldn't have like the guilt and the shame and the fear that was wrapped up in the one that I grew up in because I'm so happy with the way that our family worships together. Oh, that makes me so happy. So happy because it's so the truth. I think it's so scary to step out and do something different and and have things look different. Uh, but to know that, but God, right? I mean, he's gonna, he just does such amazing, cool things. And I do think a big, a big thing that I've had to recognize too is that um, family has to do it on their own time, and that it's not something that we can make happen. And we can't make somebody have faith, and we can't give them faith. But to to have the patience to know that through through our believing, through our following God, that that can only go in beautiful directions, and to be that example is going to speak to them, even if there are hard moments within that. Uh, that our kids and our families and everybody can see that change that's within us because that's how God works. He's just that good. <laughs> um, I think the reason that um, it was so hard for me to sometimes jump into things that I was doing before in the church is because um, as anybody that's dedicated countless hours to callings can say, it's that you don't get to pick those areas that you jump into. And so Another shift that I've noticed is that I have a genuine desire to contribute to the body of Christ. And I think it's because um, I'm able to feel the promptings of the spirit in the areas that I could contribute in. And then you get to focus on the areas that you're passionate about. So um, that's something that I'm loving in this phase is finding where I can serve God and what that looks like for me. Um, my experience is just feel the polar opposite, definitely, of the callings that I wasn't passionate about. And the um, I do feel like uh, the LDS church, when you are called to something, there's definitely learning and growth that can happen within that. But the polar opposite experiences, when you're pursuing your own service opportunities and jumping into things you're passionate about, um, it's more personal. And for me, that looks like women's ministry. I think because I understand the impact of community, that's the area that I've been the most involved with at this point. I um, joined MOPS leadership last year, so I'm on my second year now. And it's, as you mentioned in other podcasts, a really wonderful group of Christian moms and the fellowshipping within that group and uh, the service opportunities. And that has just been amazing for me. And I led a small group within my church last year, which was something that was very out of my comfort zone, but ended up being a really beautiful experience. I think that reliance on God, trusting in his strengths instead of focusing on our own weaknesses allows us to jump into the experiences that maybe we feel underqualified for. And um, I used to think, you know, I needed to be at a certain level 
of worthiness or capabilities before jumping into stuff like that. But really you realize that it's because we're willing to do that, that God will amplify those efforts and he will step in and make things work out. So those experiences have been really positive for me um, and being more involved with my kids own spiritual journeys, but, you know, teaching their classes at church. I um, help sometimes with the preschool group or with VBS or things that are the ways that they're directly learning. And um, to be honest, like teaching kids, they're very simple, basic lessons. I feel like I'm still learning stuff because of how beautifully it's presented. Um, an example would be that I taught this last Sunday, we taught the preschool lesson was um, about Jonah. And the curriculum that my church uses, I love it. They do one sentence that they're focusing on. So this last week was that God loves me even when I feel ashamed. And then they link it in with the Bible story, specific Bible verses, and all the experiences are just, and activities are all wrapped up in this simple sentence and the Bible verses that go with it. So um, the story of Jonah and the sentence, God loves me even when I feel ashamed, was just such a beautiful thing to focus on because we're teaching these little preschoolers what it means to feel ashamed because that's a new word. It's it's when you do something you're embarrassed of and you wish you hadn't done and you want to hide. That's how you explain it to a four-year-old. And you have them like practice hiding behind their hands. And we're like, God loves you when you feel like that. God still loves you. That's unconditional. When Jonah is in the belly of the well and he has made mistakes, God loves him. He's still listening to him when he prays. And so, you know, just even a few days ago, teaching these to the kids, I'm like, this is a truth I still need to hear because it was so deep in my soul to think when I make mistakes, I can't take the sacrament. When I make mistakes, I can't go to the temple. And that didn't feel like love to me. That felt like a disconnect when I needed it most. And so I love that I'm teaching my little four-year-old in this class that God loves us despite the negative feelings we may be feeling and that he needs us where we're at. So I feel like that was a very uh, full answer with like multiple things in it. But at the end of the day, I feel like contributing to the body of Christ and teaching these children and finding ways to serve is so beneficial for me because I'm still learning those truths and I'm learning them sometimes at the same time as my kids. Um, I was afraid to teach before because I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm qualified. I don't know if I know all the things yet, but I think we should jump into opportunities to learn about him and to grow and and just trust that God will help us in that process. That has definitely been the case for me where my ability to like jump into situations has made it so that my own testimony has been strengthened as I'm teaching these little four-year-olds. Absolutely. And I, I think that the Jonah's like one of my favorite stories. I, I just love Jonah because I often feel myself like Jonah running in the other direction of what he's asked me to do. And I sometimes have to get swallowed by a big fish in order to <laughs> recognize my error in my ways and that I need to go back the other direction. Um, but that also just that God, you're right, absolutely, that he loves us. Even the fact that he's willing to stand by us is just so, so wonderful. And I totally agree with you on learning with the kids because we need to do that sometimes too. I mean, breaking out our children's Bible and learning those basic concepts because we really truly are when we're coming from such a different faith. It, it's not a, it's like a completely different mindset about God. And so coming to that, it takes these little tiny baby steps that sometimes we need to take with the babies <laughs> to make that happen. To go back to exactly what we were talking about the very beginning of this episode is about feeling worthy. And 
understanding that uh, we don't have to work for that, that he's going to love us even when we're ashamed, even when we're going through the hard things, that he's going to be there for us and he's going to love us no matter what is, I mean, it's just, it's totally the truth and in, in what we have to work through, um, even standing with our little kids while we're doing it. <laughs> so what is God calling you to at this moment in your faith journey? I, I definitely want to jump into situations that come up and, and I've definitely tried to live that life of surrender. And I feel like for me, that's almost a day-to-day thing. I don't have some grand um, project that I'm working on right now, but I feel like when I've prayed about it and asked about it, I've definitely felt called to put the most work right now into our family. And so that's an area where putting a lot of work into our daily studies, we do uh, morning studies with the kids and we put more focus on prayer. Um, Me and my husband are reading a book on prayer right now and our church is providing a really a meaningful small group this year. And my husband is doing it with me. We start in a few weeks. It's called Rooted. It's about how to really apply the spiritual disciplines in our life and uh, truly be disciples of Christ. And I feel like as simple as that may sound, I know that where our faith is still growing and is still um, as a family, something that we're sorting out, then that is something that we're we're focusing on, um, which is really special to me because I feel like this is a phase where my husband is full-heartedly invested, which is a relatively new thing for him. So that's my main commitment is leading our kids in that way. Um, I'm still doing mom's leadership for this year and the service coordinator. So I feel like I'm able to uh, serve the women in our area that way and continue with that passion. And then we'll see what happens after that. But that, those are my main focuses for right now. And um, they bring me a lot of joy. I think that those connections with the people in my family and my community are really important to me. And I know that God will have me do something else soon, and I'm trying to keep my heart open to what that looks like. Awesome. I think that this is a, I'm hoping that so many women who are kind of going through some of this hard times will listen to this and know that community is possible. That Because that's huge for so many of these women who are coming from the LES faith, that they they just as you said, it's like you wanted that community. The community was huge. Even if you didn't necessarily always feel like you fit in and it was hard, you still had a community. And so many women feel like they're going to walk away and abandon all of that community and they're never going to have a community again. And I think that listening to this, it's just the opposites. Like you have built an amazing community. And I hope that other women are hearing that, that it's possible, that you can I think if you just keep that door open, just like I said, just even just a little crack, like God will find people to put in your life. And it's definitely intimidating to leave a comfortable community for something new and unknown. And and I just am so glad that I did because there's experiences with um, community that I didn't even realize were possible. For example, the, the Bible study that I was in, there was a woman who needed a hysterectomy and And so the women gathered around her and all prayed for her, which is the first time that I'd seen that. But women praying for a woman who is going through something that impacts her ability to parent, to have more children. I mean, it's just a very personal and hard experience that she was going through. And those prayers were just so beautiful. And I never seen women pray for women like that. And um, I see that all the time now, though, like at our mom's table, there was a girl that was leaving early for her son to have a doctor's appointment. It was something that she was very worried about. And instead of saying, we'll be praying for you, our mops table leader drops what we're doing and prays for her in that instant. And it's like, 
to see women praying for women. And I feel like that's something that I didn't have even when I had a lot of Mormon friends. We we say we'll pray for you, but do we drop what we're doing and pray for you in that moment? And does the other person get to hear the prayer and feel the spirit just reassure you that that they're that you're not alone in what you're struggling with? I think that's the kind of community that you can find when you're willing to look for it. Um, so I definitely recommend looking for that community, whether it there's a lot of groups like Mops that you've mentioned or Bible groups or um, a book that I read. It's actually what I did my small group on last year was Find Your People by Jenny Allen. I'm guessing you're familiar with Jenny Allen. I'm not sure if you read that specific book, but it's all about building a Christian community and being the kind of friend that Christ was. And it has Bible references and just examples of how Christ really lived that deep connection. So it has reading that and then doing the small group redefined my um, definition of what it even means to be a friend and what it means to serve somebody and show up for them. And I think as we're debating if it's worth like looking for new community outside of maybe what we're used to, there definitely is the assurance that it can be a beautiful thing. And um, that's a recommendation I'd have for anybody who's struggling to find that is to read that book. And there's a free online book club, I think is what Jenny calls it, where there's like challenges and questions that go with it. And it's just a great resource for how to actually apply those concepts. And this brings us uh, to the big question that I always love to ask everybody at the end of our episodes is, if you were speaking to a girl who was in a position like you were in, and she's questioning faith, and she's making that list, which I love the fact that you made that list, but that she's making that list, and she's trying to find faith right now. She's really struggling, and she's trying to find her faith. What would you tell her to help her to build that faith? I think the main thing I would have wanted to hear is that God loved me and that he wanted a relationship with me right then, exactly as I am, and that reassurance I think is what matters the most is to just know that you are that one sheep and that God wants to pursue you and that he loves and cares about you. And then um, just to realize that that can look different for different people. You know, when you're LDS, you're assigned a ward time and you're assigned a calling and you read this specific King James version with all those clear expectations. And it can be so overwhelming to have all those possibilities. But I would say embrace having more choices because as you seek out a Bible centered option that suits your personality, the Holy Spirit will meet you in your pursuit. So try different versions of the Bible, try maybe one that has a life application Bible with commentary if you need more help to understand it. And if you're craving back and forth conversation to learn, then there's a small group option for you. If you love the energy of a big crowd, then a worship night or a women's conference and just to find an enjoyable way to experience Jesus. There are so many options and he will meet us where we're at. If it's watching The Chosen, I highly recommend that because it's such a beautiful way to see him as a relatable loving um, person that we don't sometimes see that in all of house disciples. And it's just a beautiful, beautifully well done video um, or TV series, I should say. Um, and, you know, if you want to experience God in nature, then do that in nature or listen to worship songs. I just think there's so many readily available resources and to be able to just find works with our learning style and with um, our needs. If there's something we don't understand, there's probably a Bible study for it. And it just takes that little bit of research. And I really think if we're going into that with good intent, God will lead us to the resources that we need. And um, so, yeah, open your heart to finding community and resources and trust that God will be there and that he will help you with that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Jenny, for being with us today. And thank you for being so willing and open to talk about a lot of things that 
sometimes are kind of hard for us to talk about in this community. But I know that this is going to speak directly to the hearts of some beautiful woman out there who is ready to hear it. So thank you for being here today. Thank you, Shelby. I so appreciate the intentionality and prayer you put into this. It's been a wonderful resource for me. So thank you. Awesome. Of course. I love the fact that it actually helps people. So thank you. Hey friends, I hope that this episode truly blessed you today and spoke to your heart. And if it did, I would love it if you could share it with your friend who might need to hear these words also. And if you truly, really loved it, then a five-star review really helps to get into the ears of so many more people. It's the way the algorithm works. So I would love it if you guys would be able to do that for me as well. And if you were looking for more resources, more help, more coaching, more all the good stuff, go to findingfaithabove.com and make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. See you next time.